0: on the podcast songwriting hi adrian how are you who are you again right i (laughs) i know i know this is what's gonna come up i already know where this beginning is going (laughs) we're we're 30 seconds in and i already know what you're gonna give me heck about uh taking time before we record this episode well you know there was
1: some uh scheduling difficulties there's some technical difficulties you know it happens in the life what are you gonna do yeah but uh i must say it feels good to be back in the studio again indeed i missed the room i missed the ambiance of this room it's yes very nice, so it's a, a bit of a
0: star wars
1: ambiance i would say yes yeah shocking that uh that you are a st- have star wars all over this uh, studio
0: yeah it's quite weird really it really is weird especially because i was always a Battlestar galactica kind of guy <laughs> uh i liked Sequest. Yes, that's not true. I hated Sequest. Yeah, Star Trek though. Star Wouldn't? Trek is the is the best. I w- I would love to talk about Star Trek on the episode.
1: Well, we could one day. We could talk about all the different Star Trek themes, but beyond that, and you know, kind of the insinulari- it, uh the uh, what do you call it, like the interstitial music and stuff in the show. There's no real like deep thematic stuff going on in Star Trek.
0: Uh, I think when you look at the. um Movies, like the motion picture, that kind of stuff. There's some interesting thematic material. Really great composers that worked on those movies, like Jerry Goldsmith and so forth. Hmm. It's funny that you mentioned composers,
1: Adrian, because today's episode is about songwriting. Yeah. It was one of the, uh, the early ideas for uh, this podcast, actually, when we were talking about kind of what things we wanted to uh, discuss. Um, we wanted to not only talk about our favorite albums, our favorite bands... You know all that kind of good stuff, um but we also wanted to talk about some other things like songwriting um our yeah. favorite things, our first things, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm happy that we're talking about this today.
0: I think that really the idea behind this podcast is that you know our tagline is a podcast about music, uh, which is a very boring, terrible tagline. Um, <laughs> but it's totally to the point, and I think that's that's what that's what we're about,
1: yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about um, our own personal songwriter. Adrian and I are both songwriters of sorts. So we're going to talk a little bit about our own process. Um, We're going to talk about uh, some composition stuff. Um, We're going to talk about some of the examples of uh, other people's work that we think are brilliant examples of songwriting. And we're going to also uh, talk a little bit about our own personal songwriting and play you uh, some snippets at the end. So uh, stay tuned until the end.
0: Adrian, what was the first song you ever wrote? Do you remember? Oh, I, I hate that you're asking this question. It's a, it's a because it's, a, it's an embarrassing one. Hey, I'll tell man. you what. Come on, it's all embarrassing. Um, the way I I started when I was quite young. I started when I was five years old playing guitar, uh, and I think immediately I, I wanted to write songs. I just that always felt like the right thing to do. To take what I was learning. And then do my own thing with it, and that's sort of how I approached it from the get-go. Uh, I'm I'm a person that's not very lyrically or word-inspired. Like I I don't write words easily. It takes you barely I, speak words easily. I've well the evidence is on the this podcast is. What am I trying to say? See, yeah, see? yeah see. there it is. Oh,
1: <laughs> on the nose. Yeah,
0: yeah. I did that on purpose. That's how good I am with my words. I know you killed it. Yeah,
1: so what was I talking about? Uh, You weren't real good with them words.
0: Yeah, and I think, uh, so I remember I I was a big hockey fan when I was a kid and I would like open up hockey books about goalies. I remember having this book about goalies and just strumming all the chords that I knew. I remember I had gotten this one of these chord charts uh, or chord books, I guess, and I would just play through all the chords and I would try and figure out which ones worked well together but I would sing out lyrics from this like goalie book. Ah, okay. And try and come up with melodies because I w- I didn't understand the concept of writing lyrics. I was very young, you know, like I was like six or seven or eight. Right. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: That works. So, uh, in truth, I think my first song that I I, I liked that I was really like, hey, I, this is really good. It was probably the third song I wrote because I remember it was the third page in that book. Of my early songwriting book, I always have a, a songwriting book. I've had two, um, so uh, yeah, it was called Fragile, and I had seen the movie The Day After Tomorrow, and I was inspired about global warming.
1: Yeah, you mentioned that to me the other day that you're were and still are to this day a very sort of globally conscious person. A lot of your early stuff was influenced by that.
0: I remember the chord progression was like, uh...
1: whoa,
0: yeah. Don't screw up our planet, folks. <laughs> and then the chorus. I remember the first time I ever used a jazz chord. It was a, there was a, went like C like this, and then C major seven. And I was like ten. <laughs> right. Okay. I was, was ask you how, how old were you at, yeah, this, at this time? About ten. I think nine, ten, somewhere around there. I think is when I really, when I started to write things down, like write lyrics, and and write chords and put all that together, and and just having an idea going, okay, I want to, I'm going to turn this concept into a song. Huh, interesting. I think that's an interesting revelation to have as a musician that that's a thing that you can do because we know people that. They're just players. They they play their instrument. Yeah, and 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 don't really write music. It's funny that you say that actually, cause and and can even have great improvisational qualities. Of, uh, you know, there's a specific person I know. This person's listening uh, that I'm I'm talking about. Uh, Does his name rhyme with hitch? Yes. <laughs> um, Our friend Hitch. Yes. Uh, that you know, and and he has said himself that he, he's not. A songwriter per se, but I mean, gosh, the guy can play, you know. Man,
1: I, that is the exact person that I was going to bring up. Yeah. By name, but you know, I guess we'll 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 let him. Have, I like that it's an Easter egg. <laughs> we'll let him have his anonymity. Um. Yeah, that dude can play, and what is so frustratingly jealous saucety is that he can play so many instruments really, really well, and a couple of instruments exceptionally. But it's not like he doesn't play any instrument, you know, half-arsed. He just, every single thing he does, he just excels at. And I'm like, I hate you. Yeah. Um, And he's a smoking harmonica player.
0: Man, that dude can blow that harp, let me tell you. Yeah, he's not just some guy with harmonicas. He's... He's real deal, like really good. In, he's super into it. I know, yeah, into let's, it. Yeah. Let's let's say his name. His name is Mitch Ostreicher. Yeah, and he's Mitch. a wonderful, wonderful human being. He
1: is a wonderful human being, but by his own admission, we're not putting words in his mouth. Um, he's not a he's not a creator. He's a, more of an interpreter, I guess, of, yeah. of other people's work, which
0: is super cool. I think it's I think it's amazing. Hey, I man,
1: Frank Sinatra didn't write his own songs, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, songs. well, it's,
0: I mean, I think a lot of of that style of music you know it's about i think pop music is some of it is so much the front who's the front of it but right. there's a whole team behind them and i mean frank Sinatra had great sinatra sorry had great people writing music for him totally and worked with great people you know like quincy jones and 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 so forth
1: yeah and i mean just in the vein of songwriting itself i think and while we're kind of on the topic Writing for someone else, I think, or just writing a song that you have no intention of 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 performing yourself is a is an art and a skill it's in and opposite. of itself. It's the opposite of our friend Mitch. Yeah. Like I'm I'm thinking of um people that
0: don't perform.
1: Yeah, but people who write though. Like yeah. um I mean you can you can look at um all the sort of uh you know, sort of famous songwriters over the years. Um, all the uh, the famous songwriters over the years, I'm thinking of um, Diane Warren. Um, very prolific songwriter. Uh, wrote uh, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing for Aerosmith. Wrote Because You Love Me for Celine Dion. Um, you know, uh, wrote it just just an incredible songwriter, but never performed them. Jim Steinman, who wrote all the meatloaf stuff um also wrote uh, it's all coming back to me now i believe uh for Celine Dion. that was a jim steinman song um just just incredible incredible works of art but they themselves aren't the or like mutt lang for example i'm um, like more songs i listen to I'm like that's gotta be mutt lang i was listening to brian adams uh the only thing that looks good on me is you that's a Mutt Lang song, which oh I definitely know. And it, but just by the 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 title of the song, I'm like, oh man, that's that's a Mutt Lang song. But again, amazing producer and amazing songwriter, but he was never in front, like you say. He was never that front person. He was always the person kind of behind as part of the team. Yeah. Very cool stuff. Cool. Um we've uh we've gotten off track. What the hell are we talking about? Oh, yeah. Um, so we were talking sort of about early, uh, early songwriting. Um, I can tell you personally, I didn't start playing guitar until I was in my teens. So, you know, I was, so by that time I was already a rock star. <laughs> I don't think you were even a spit in your daddy's eye by that time. This is true. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not that much older than you, but I, I, I can say that, um, uh, my guitar teacher at the time because I did take guitar lessons for a few years in high school, Um, one of the sort of year-end curriculum goals was that you got to write and record a song with him, which was cool. You had a little rudimentary studio in his basement. Very cool. Yeah, and um, I mean, when you're that age, you're know, you like mesmerized by the fact that you can record something and then you can take a CD home or a tape or whatever it was to your parents and be like, look what I did. Looking back, you know, it was... was Pretty flippin', you know, pretty archaic stuff that he had in there, I remember. Um, But, I mean, I didn't know any better. Um, I mean, your phone could probably do a better job today of what he had back in the day. But I remember the song was called Burn Down the House or Burn the House Down or something like that. (laughs) Um, Very
0: prairies.
1: yeah, Yeah, it was very prairies. If I recall, it was it was just a I think it was just a it was a song about like just rebellion I think, um, and I remember I got to perform it at a recital. The same guitar teacher would do a recital at the end of the year, and I recruited uh, just some of my friends who they didn't really know how to play. I remember the one guy that played bass was like the youth pastor of the the next town over's church or whatever i couldn't tell you his name but i and i think he learned the song like the day of and was just like all right we're going on stage we're gonna play it And it was awful but i think that was uh that was that was like the first song i ever wrote. i couldn't tell you if, i mean it was probably g and c you know like everybody's first songs but i that's all all i remember about the my ever, first ever song that i sort of composed wow very cool what was um what was your, your, I don't know, where do you get your songwriting from? Is there like a band, an artist, a movie, something that sort of inspires you or inspired you back in the day to want to say, I want to do something like that. For me, I can tell you, it's if it isn't already obvious, it was the Beatles. I mean, that was the first stuff I ever learned how to play on guitar, so they really taught me how to write a song, essentially. They were my teachers for for songwriting. How about you?
0: For me, it was listening to just old music and understanding that there was a continuity to all that older stuff, that you could find forms within those and then work a song into that form. So the idea of like verse, intro, verse, chorus... Verse, chorus bridge chorus outro right that's the meat and potatoes of all all my early music that I wrote and I've written I hate I hate this sentence because it makes me immediately sound <laughs> okay, very let's,
1: okay let's let's say right now that It while it may sound narcissistic, what we're all about, both of us are about to say, we're not coming from a place of any sort of ego trip. We're just yeah, it's just
0: these are the amount of files on my. I've written so many songs. Yeah, (laughs) when you go through my computer, there's 15 years of right, you know, well maybe maybe like 12, 12 years, 12, 13 years, something like that, of of music that I've recorded. That's it's somewhere in the three, four hundred mark, something like that sure of of songs that i've written and it's the thing that uh i went to music school and studied i was a composition major that was what i that's what my my certificate in my room says you know
1: how would you categorize or how would you differentiate composition from songwriting it's simply lyrics yeah that's what it is yeah so because i think we kind of talked a little bit about this before we went on air about maybe doing an episode about composition yes as opposed to songwriting so I won't get too much into it but give me just I don't know can you give me a little bit more about what the difference would be besides is that it so you can just do a verse chorus verse chorus bridge solo out and call it a composition but if you put lyrics on it it's a song is that the only difference yep wow alright well that section of the podcast is over well and yeah
0: like you would call I mean this is all terminology stuff so it doesn't really matter but um I would consider a a piece of music would be just purely music instrumentation. Ah, uh, yes. Okay.
1: okay. Fair yeah. enough. I can I can get down with that.
0: Yeah. A song implies that there's you know, like it's it it comes from, from choral traditions, right? That's where that, that whole world comes from of lyric writing. Hmm. Okay. Is taking uh you know, texts and putting them uh, to music. That's really what, what early songwriters did is uh, poetry. Inclu- including yourself. Well, yeah, exactly. I, it's And yeah, I've never thought about it like that, but I guess I was sort of, you know, very, uh, um, you know, primordial, I guess in my way of, of how I, I came to, I think it's just cause I was young. I was just young and didn't know anything. It just, it was always just following instinct, you know? Yeah. Nobody that's... was telling me what to do.
1: You know, and that's how the best art is created as far as I'm concerned. You know,
0: it's it, for me, songwriting comes from a very pure place. It's very natural. It's very pure. It's nothing analytical. It's... Yeah, because I have all the, you know, like I have a decent theory knowledge, I think. Um, so I, after I write something, I can go and figure it out. But I'm generally not thinking too much about theory when I'm writing a song.
1: Yeah, I was about to say. I really am
0: just following my heart.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Like, does do you find that your your analytical uh, certificate side of you steps on your songwriting?
0: No, it really helps me figure out things a little bit faster because generally I already have a sound in my head. Like, I really trust my own inner ear. Um, Mm -hmm. I can very clearly hear music just by thinking about it, and I can think of the like I think of the guitar i can clearly hear it in my head if i create the shape of a chord in my head i can hear it on the guitar i can really go to that place if i need to
1: let me let me interrupt you um just for a quick second because i kind of want to segue into this next part of the of the show um which i'm really because i don't actually know the answer to this i'm actually quite i'm i'm just as uh, interested as i hope all of you are what what is, what's, what is your process? Like, how do you, how do you, how do you personally write a song? What's, you know what I'm saying? What, I know it's a big question. There's a lot to it, but like, give me, give me some, uh, give me something there about writing a song for Adrian Emond.
0: Well, I think it's kind of good that we're doing this podcast at this time because it, like as of Monday, I started writing a new, uh, song that I just, just sort of started to happen and it just kind of fell into place a little bit. Um, so it kind of gave me a chance cause I knew we were doing this songwriting episode to maybe think about it as I was writing the song, but not to detract from anything. For me, uh, the idea stemmed from just a two words that came into my brain one one day and, uh, uh, the words were homesick alien. <laughs> Those are okay. the two. I thought that was such a funny. So like E.T. Yeah, I thought it was a funny combination of words. And that was maybe uh, a week ago I started thinking about that. And that that title has just kind of been running through my head. And then I was uh, at work and I was walking across the store with a guitar in my hand. And I was going from because I was pulling it from the back of the store to the front of the store. And I just started playing. What guitar was it? It was a uh, Simon and Patrick songsmith uh, rental. It was a rental guitar. So I'm, I'm walking up to the front it's of important the... important information. Yes. I'm walking up to the front of the store and I just start playing this thing. And uh, So when I get into the room, there was a, a little acoustic room, I sat down and I just started kind of diddling around with this little idea that I had and I really liked it. And then as I was going home that night, I started to think about lyrics and so i started jotting stuff down in my phone and then when i got home i was supposed i was gonna phone my mother that night and i just said forget it i'm gonna (laughs) and i set up my mic sorry ma i set up my mic i opened up my songwriting book and I, i jotted down the lyrics and i just i went at it interesting yeah
1: do you find that's a fairly common way i mean i i can i can assume that songwriting comes to you comes to us comes to everyone in many different ways not just one
0: it's generally the intersection of two different things it's a musical idea with a title hmm. I think about titles of things all the time I'm always writing down title ideas in my phone yeah and so it's a good way most of them are really bad but occasionally I will I have also just lots of riffs that I sort of hang on to there's lots of things that are just in my brain, and that's it. That's the only place they exist, right. and only me plays them. So, eventually, a title will come, and I'll go, "Oh, that would work so well with this riff, or uh, this chord progression, or something." I uh, so for me, it's then about creating the, you know, in the case of this homesick alien song, it's a, it's, it's a very layered meaning hmm. with all of it. Um, you are the homesick alien. Yeah. No, I mean, in some ways, yes, I guess okay. I don't know. um, I haven't heard the song, so I have no idea yeah it's it's a funny little thing, you know it's, it's really sad it's love. a really sad song. it's very depressing because uh, I wanted to get yeah, into the mind, really of, I wanted to get in the mind of someone or something um you know experiencing life on this planet
1: hmm.
0: and and intersecting it with maybe my own way of doing things, but that this person, how they ended up where they are is by abandoning a part of their life. Ah,
1: okay. Very interesting.
0: I, uh, I have to say, um, I, I'm going to talk about it more at the end. Sure. I'll, I'll play a little bit of it.
1: at the end. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, I, I really enjoyed your story about, uh, uh, being at work and writing a song. We have the advantage of working in a guitar store So we're surrounded by guitars all day and we're constantly, you know, without the manager knowing, uh, doodling on guitars and stuff like that. And I've written tons of stuff at work, like just, you know, just messing around with guitars and, you know, doing this and doing that. Or you pick up a guitar and it's in a weird tuning or something, and you just kind of like. You know, or if you're testing out a new guitar or a new pedal or something that comes into the store. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, that's actually pretty good. And I, I not on the phone that I my old phone that I broke. I had flipping 20 recordings on there. That yeah. You just, you know, you stick it in front of the amp and just record it. Um, and a bunch of those actually ended up being uh, one of the things that I'm going to play later on in the show, um, which is actually like a heavy metal composition thing and it is a composition because it doesn't have any lyrics cool yeah um, but uh, that's just one. I just you know and people this is kind of a sidebar but people say well you know why do you work at work in retail that's gotta suck you should get a real job or man you don't make any money Why, you know you should go get a job somewhere where you can make more money it's like yeah that might be true um, but the fact that I get to be around guitars all day and I get to write songs at work what do you do for a living huh you lay brick you work on the rigs i don't think you get to play video games while you're working on the rigs i get to do what i like and get paid for it so i'm pretty happy about that
0: just as a good for you ian good for you
1: hey you do the same thing as i do good for you
0: ian (laughs) that's wonderful okay that's so that's so nice oh god i hate you so much
1: um, so I hate you so much that I'm just going to just completely keep talking and not let you speak at all
0: well guess what look at that I'm talking oh, right now you, oh, oh okay great yeah oh yeah your voice sounds so good yeah well look at my mic
1: that's true you do have a really nice mic yeah. a nicer mic than I so maybe I should get one of those so I can sound as good as you Ooh. but I wouldn't have your dulcet tones I just love the word dulcet tones yeah It's a good name for a band any snooch um for me i i it's we are really the same because <laughs> uh i also work a lot with the title i'll hear a phrase or i'll hear somebody speak a a a, a selection of words in a row or i'll read something or i'll mishear someone say something and be like what did you just say no that's not what i thought you said but what did you know and it sounds like they said something else i'm like wow that's way cooler than what you actually said um, but I'm always thinking of the title of the song and in my head I mean I come from you know an era where you'd still look at the back of a CD yes I thank you for saying that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so you 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 see <laughs> okay so I I guess I know where you're going then you oh, see wonderful. the song titles on the back of the disc and I
0: stared at those things because I had a I had a really great CD collection oh I bet growing up um just my desk like I remember the back of my desk was just cardboard boxes with CDs and yeah I loved opening the CD booklets and reading the lyrics I remember getting like U2 albums and reading through the lyrics we're so old yeah but that's that was part of the experience that I think
1: again to go on another tangent I think it's just being lost these days you know yeah um you know cause all you just see it on iTunes and it's like okay there it is or Spotify yeah. or whatever it is and um it's just not as fun of an experience and and you know it is what it is
0: that's an amazing thing to think about wow that's totally blowing my own mind (laughs) what that you see the songs
1: on the back of the cd and that's part of the experience yeah absolutely what order they're in because i how they're
0: worded you know, how they look on the CD? Well, even like, I remember uh, Muse released an album a few years ago, and they teased the titles of the songs before the album came out. Uh, and I remember I flip and lost my mind at some of the titles. I was like, oh, these titles are sick. This That song's gonna be so good, or whatever. Like, just because the titles were really cool.
1: Yeah, and and I think that um, the, the the sort of title of a song... You know, I'm not one of those guys that says the title of the song must be sung in
0: the lyrics. I'm so against that. I always try and never put it in. Oh, really? Yeah. The uh, title of the song for me is like, like you don't hear like in Star Wars. No one has said the word Star Wars. But they have said Star Trek. In Star Wars? In Star Trek. Yeah, in Star
1: Yeah. In Star Wars. No. No, they don't. No, you're saying
0: in Star Trek. In Star Trek, they've... they
1: said the word Star Trek. Yes. Yeah, definitely. In, in the, uh, in one of the movies. Yeah, that's you right. You guys are all some kind of astronauts.
0: On some sort of Star Trek right, first contact
1: yeah there was in first contact yes yeah. that's what from Cochran says it that's right um so you think that the the
0: title should be its own
1: it
0: I don't should, think anything it's it's to me it, songwriting is way too personal it's just I'm saying that like it's a bad thing it that is what it is songwriting is so much a personal thing I hate when you like read critic reviews of like a band that's been around for 30 years and they put out an album. And they're like, oh, I missed their old stuff. It's like, well, their old stuff is when they were younger. <laughs> Ironically. You know? Yeah. No, I, I I, mean, that.
1: it happens with some of my favorite bands, like Metallica, for example. Everybody's like, oh, it's just play like you did in the 80s. Well, that was the 80s, dude. Yeah. You know, like, go back and listen to those albums, but here's what we're offering now. Yeah. And you can, you know, you can choose not to like it. That's fine. Like like Rush did in the 80s when they were doing like electropop and reggae and stuff. You don't have to like that necessarily. But, you know, you can't come down on them for wa- wanting to write something a little bit different. Or if that's what they're feeling at the time, they're artists. They're going to express themselves. That's, you know.
0: Well, I think because like, you know, half of so much of songwriting now is the art of recording as well. Which is really, all this gear is to capture time. It's to freeze it. Yeah. And be able to replay that moment. It's taking history and permanently holding on to it. So that's like an insane thing when you really think about it. Yeah, totally. So, you know, when people say like, ah, oh, recording studios, ah, oh, they're so expensive and they're so, you know, you don't need all that. You can do that in your basement. It's like, yeah, but when you have like cool stuff to freeze time, it's way cooler.
1: <laughs> like a flux capacitor. Yeah, exactly. If you will. No, I, I agree. I think that... um Yeah, you could do, I mean, especially these days, you can, and a lot of people do, they make their albums at home without a recording studio, but there's still, in my mind, something to be said about going into a room and someone behind a piece of glass hits record and you play and they record it. You know what I'm saying? There's a mojo, there's a vibe that you just can't get by yourself programming drums in your room, you know, you can't. And I'm, I'm part of that group because I don't have the means to go to a studio, but I make albums at home. But I understand that if you can, you're playing a song in a studio and you're looking at your guitar player in the eye and, and you're nodding to him like, "Hey, the solo's coming up or whatever. And then that guitar player mm, just like knows exactly what to play, when to play it. And there's that that energy and time. Like you said, you're capturing that on tape, which you don't really get if you get to do it a million times in a row at home and just hit you know control z control z control z the whole time yeah which i also do um me too do you so you said um that the sort of music songwriting for you is sort of the intersection
0: between uh music and lyrics that's purely like me with a guitar and then writing lyrics in my notebook that's one way that i write songs it's the most common way for me like to express a certain part of my psyche i guess but like, because I, I also like to write using uh, or writing orchestral music, which is a totally different approach. And I know this podcast is songwriting, but you're going to play an instrumental piece, so whatever. Let's open it up to composition as well, and, and really the idea of just writing music in general. I'm going to uh,
1: interrupt slightly. The song that I chose was not meant to be. <laughs> it, it was meant to have lyrics. But through a very long and boring story, it ended up just being like, well, whatever. It's just going to be what it is. Okay. So it wasn't meant. It wasn't written as a as a as an instrumental
0: piece. Because my approach to um, purely instrumental works, uh, and this is really dealing with classical music or orchestral music, because uh, when I was studying classical guitar, um, I was writing classical music as well, or attempting to write my own version of modern classical music because i guess it was played on a classical guitar and i was using classical the classical theory that i had learned at the time i was taking the same sort of concepts that when i was just kind of a kid that was taking you know guitar lessons at the local guitar store you'd learn your chords and stuff and i would take that stuff and write songs to goalie books and things like that but when i actually started to learn proper music theory i decided i would up my game in terms of what writing meant to me and mm. that it wasn't just about songwriting, that you could just write music. And I really got into instrumental music for a really long time. And I think one of the, my f- favorite pieces of music that I wrote was actually with a guitar. my classical guitar teacher. His name is Nicholas. Uh, and we, I had went to England uh, with my high school. And we toured for two weeks uh, <laughs> with the various music programs.
1: Yeah, so did I. <laughs> it was awesome.
0: And it was amazing. We played all these like old cathedrals and just like weird places like that where, you know, at least out here in Canada, we don't, we don't go to venues like that for music. So it was really, really cool. And it was set up so well. We always had audiences and it was like in like small towns and stuff. And it was just a really intimate, cool experience uh, to do that but being in all these cathedrals and and being in this old place it completely blown my mind and uh i started to hear sort of the sound in my head of something hmm. like an 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 idea of a sound as i was so inspired by these incredible constructions like we went to this gothic cathedral in this one place and i was like this is insane this creation is is when you think about it, it took 300 years to build this.
1: And that fed into your sort of songwriting.
0: Yeah, that, that part of my brain that looks around at the world and interprets things and turns it into sound really was like an overdrive for that whole trip. Oh. So when I got back, I just wanted to write and write and write. And the first thing I wrote was this riff. Or, uh, you know, I call it a riff, but it's, a, you know, if we're talking classical music, an idea on my guitar... But I had been hearing it the whole time. And it was just a matter of getting to an instrument and and having the time to sit down and work it out. So yeah. for me, it's about chasing a sound as well, because that's how my brain works. Yeah, I
1: think... I think um, in
0: very musical... I think in sound sometimes. Totally,
1: yeah. I, um, I find for myself, um, it's that time before bed... You know, when you're trying to fall asleep and your mind's just going a mile a minute. I can, you know, and I'm sure you're the same way. I bet you a lot of musical folk are the same way. You can hear the song completed in your head with drums and bass and second guitars and vocals and crap. It's all up there. You just got to somehow make it reality. And sometimes that's the hardest part is taking what you hear in your head and making it real. And I always, I've, you know... That's why I
0: went to music school. I guess so. Because for me, that's not as much of... Sorry to say this, but That's it's not as much of a struggle for me to take what's in my head and, and usually sometimes I challenge myself by just sitting and thinking really hard, like, especially when I'm going to work or just taking the bus anywhere, really imagining it in my head and then seeing when I get to the instrument, how close I am. Like if I, wow. and, and That's it's, cool. and it's good. It's, it's generally, it's okay. it's fine, you know? Like going for walks is a great thing for me because I will. Oh, my brain just goes insane of imagining the guitar and chords and all that. It's like a really colorful world for me.
1: Hmm. That's really cool. Um, what? Uh, what else? I um. The only thing I really, only other thing I wanted to mention is that for myself, um, I almost always, all, every time, like nine times out of ten i'll have an idea for a theme of a song like this song is about this weird experience that i had this song is about this social commentary that i want to talk about but i almost never write the lyrics at that time but i have the idea of what i want to write about and then i will go to my music on my computer all the demos and riffs and stuff like that and i almost always write the music first i'm always i i kinda know where i want the song to go and I think as long as it sounds good without lyrics, it'll sound better with them. But sometimes they don't sound good with lyrics, so I just leave them off. Like, if it's like, you know what? Actually, this sounds better without. I'll do that, too. But there's tons of stuff, like songs that I I have for an album coming up, that the music is 100% done. It's all done. And the theme of the song is in my head, but I just haven't written the lyrics yet. But the lyrics will come at some point, just when I'm feeling inspired. And that's that's the crappy thing about lyrics, is that... You can't force them. You can't push them. They just have to. They have to kind of come to you when you're when you're ready to receive them.
0: For you, for you. What about for you? Because well, I I, I want to ask you a little. I'm gonna ask a couple questions. I think um, for you, do you find that um, writing music is always what comes first or what finishes first? Do you ever write lyrics and music at the same time? No. That's um, see, I, never. I find I've been doing that a lot lately. In putting the two together. Interesting. Yeah. I I really struggle with lyrics though. Like it takes me a long time to write a song. Yeah. Like three months is about the average. Yeah. But one I of the. When we get to our examples. You know. One of the songs that I want to show. Uh, the initial idea I had for two weeks. And then when I finally had a day to sit in my studio and record. I finished. I finished everything in one day wow like lyrics i wrote all the lyrics i wrote i even did orchestral stuff and i did it in one day i recorded it all and mastered it in one day wow. complete i love that stuff yeah i'm excited to show that one. I, I i to me it's my favorite song that i've written it's one that i i like the recording to some extent because i i love that i did it in one day and one thing I think, you know, um, again, I'm always uh, afraid of not sounding humble or or <laughs> sounding cocky. We've um, gone past that a long time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to me, I think it's a really wonderful thing to to feel confidence about your own songwriting. Sure. Um, not to say that I'm good at it, but I like when I do. I love the feeling of writing music. Totally. I had a moment on Monday, uh, so that's a couple of days ago where I was working on that song that I was talking about. And I had a moment where I hit a chord after this other chord. And I was thinking about this song and I went, oh, and I got those mad, mad goosebumps. And that like, that's like one of the top experiences. Cause you're just, I was just in my room with Pro Tools open. Just there's nothing crazy going on, but I'm having this really, really strong, like it's a bodily reaction. There's totally, good good hormones being released yeah. you know Dorphins. no I, I i don't think
1: that i i don't think that there's anything about the sort of the humility um aspect of it you know i don't think there's anything about humbleness that i mean when you're writing a good song you know it i think i don't think there's anything wrong with that i think and i think when you're writing a bad song you're like yeah this isn't that strong and there's definitely albums where i'm like yeah two or three of those songs could have you know hit the they could they they could have been chopped but you know whatever um i think you know it and i think when you when you when you feel it and you listen to it and you're like damn that is a really really cool song i don't think there's any i don't i, I don't know i don't personally think that there's anything wrong with feeling a sense of personal pride or or whatever about this amazing composition that that you made you know i don't think so
0: yeah and for me songs like when I first started writing, I was writing about things around me. It was very ob- an objective, objective look at the world. But after I went to college, I think so much of me found my inner voice and my inner what I wanted to talk about, about myself. Right. I was always afraid to sort of write music about what how I was feeling. But I was always writing music about what I was thinking. Interesting. Um so, I always was writing, you know, especially through my teenage years, was always writing music about, you know, the typical stuff, the rebellion stuff. But I was always writing very government uh, music because I was too, so inspired yeah. by Pink Floyd and Muse, which was just. And I was reading books like 1984 and Brave New World and getting really inspired just by that sort of text Animal Farm, another great George Orwell book. Um, I was always fascinated by history too and just like how did we get to where we are like i really got into existentialism at one point i remember writing an album of of stuff uh and it was called the age of enlightenment and it was just about that period of time in the world like you know the french revolution and how people realized they were they could contemplate their own existence and the crap that set off you know and 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 really the french tradition of philosophy right getting into the inner psyche. And I think all that process going through reading that kind of stuff through college or high school, going to college and learning about music, like in a, in a more practical sense really helped me to, when I have a feeling that I need to write into a song that I can access that and access it a little easier. Wow,
1: that's very interesting. Um, the fact I- I think it's cool that, you know, you read the books firsthand and then wrote the songs about what you're, you know, sort of thinking about with those books, whereas I listened to the songs about guys that had written those books, like the Metallicas and the Iron Maidens and, you know, all these guys. Um, And that's, I think, I think that's a pretty standard thing. You know, the whole rebellion, the youth and revolt kind of idea and then you eventually get to a point in your life where you do need to start expressing yourself, and you do need to start getting some of these feelings out, or at least I can tell you personally, I mean, I grew up as a heavy metal kid. You know, I was always into Beatles, so I always had an acoustic guitar, but from ages, you know, 16 to, I don't know, 20. Well, I'm still into metal, but I don't play it too much anymore, but whatever, until about 25, that's really all I was playing. Um, So, uh You know, I got all that rebellion stuff and now I'm more in a point in my life where, yeah, I need to, this is a therapy. This is a form of therapy. I got to get these ideas out. Uh, One last thing I wanted to sort of talk about really quickly. Um, I had mentioned this to you a couple weeks ago, I guess, Um, but I didn't mention it on air yet. Um, I have a new album in the works. It's, you know, in various stages of recording, blah, blah, blah. But after we did our Joni Mitchell episode... I found myself wanting to write more, lyric-wise, more like her. Because we, so, we were so jazzed about her lyricism.
0: We were just so jazzed about her in general. I think we sort of came at that podcast from a very interesting perspective that yeah. we had to go and educate ourselves a little bit. Yeah.
1: And, and uh, learning
0: about her was so good for me
1: yes i agree and it was so inspiring that i have tried to incorporate more of her style into my lyrics with being a little bit more descriptive that's great being being a little bit more um i always i was always really sad with my own lyrics because they were always so they were always so literal you know i went to the store and i got a bag of chips and then i went home it was very much like that's what it is is that
0: the lyrics? Oh, no, it's the music. That... Went to the store. I got a bag of chips.
1: And then I went home. Then I
0: went home. Bag of chips. <laughs> and, folks, there it is
1: oh that was terrible <laughs> but yeah that's a good song we should you know we should put that out you should uh we should put that on spotify um but anyway the point that i was just to, <laughs> the point that i was trying to make was that because of her and because of how we looked at her music it inspired me to do better to be more to to really put more of myself into it and i just uh I wanted to mention that, that this podcast that you're listening to right now is not just for our, for your personal listening enjoyment, although we appreciate it. I'm growing <laughs> from doing this podcast. Yeah. Which I think is, you know, which is awesome. I'm, I'm well, very you know, happy about it, that. It's
0: funny because we've done two episodes about John Williams music. And as I write my own music and I, I've spent so much time just trying to figure out what the heck John Williams is doing in his writing. Right. Um Good luck that i i realize i'm finding the parts of my writing that are coming from john williams oh. and i fu- i found that to be a really enjoyable process like
1: when you wrote it you didn't know but then going back just yeah. like oh
0: that was john i i know where like they, i know where the williams. pink floyd and david Gilmore stuff comes from in my writing sure. is anything with the pentatonic scale but i i know where the john williams is in my writing i, I will we'll talk about it in a little bit sure can we talk about uh, songs. We each picked a song this week uh, that we both think is uh, a great example of songwriting. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just going to play this song that I picked and then we'll talk about it. I'm going to tell you what it is. We're just going to listen to it. All right. Just so that uh, we don't get sued by the um, entire country of Britain, and then some. Uh, that's all I'll play of that one. That's a song by Paul McCartney called "Jenny Wren." Yeah, from 2005, I believe. Yes, that's correct. A really great album uh, that he did back in 2005. Chaos in the backyard, I believe. Chaos and
1: creation in chaos and creation in the chaos backyard such a british song title
0: yeah
1: chaos and creation in the backyard um so why did you in a in an episode about songwriting about this is an example of of something that we think is a brilliant piece of songwriting why did you choose this song
0: i remember hearing it for the first time and i think anything that i remember hearing for the first time is really really good to me uh so, and a lot of that stuff we've done on the podcast. So, you know, Dark Side of the Moon, Star Wars, uh, Big Wreck. Uh, and I, uh, this song found me at the right time, uh-huh. which I I love about songs that they can do that. that uh, or I found it at the right time. It just hit me in a way that I needed, you know, where I wasn't at the time that i heard it how how i was feeling at the time when i heard it Hmm. i remember just having to go and learn it right away and i'm not really pushed to learn songs ever i because the nature of playing music professionally is that you're constantly having to learn songs anyways and it's more about for the sake of making money and not for your own personal enjoyment right and i don't really seek out to learn songs very much um but I thought I had to, I really, really needed to learn this song. So i I love that it was Paul McCartney much older and it seemed to me like a minor version of Blackbird, right. and that it was very much a reflection of Blackbird. Uh, but it was about this person named Jenny Wren. and I love the idea of it just a song about a person, a random person. Yeah. Like it's like an Eleanor Rigby or something like that. Well, it's,
1: you know, lovely Rita and, uh, you know, the Beatles were all, uh, you know, Rocky Raccoon. And they they did a ton of, if you really look at it, they did a ton of songs about characters. There's yeah. ca- characters all over there, all over their catalog.
0: So for me, uh, you know, in this, for the sake of continuity, uh, picking this song lines up well with the Homesick Alien song that I was talking about that I was writing and ah. that that's about someone that's it's it's not about a real person per se but it's about someone right uh and i i love the idea of that so lyrically the song really is extraordinary um but just the recording of it too and the mood and the vibe everything about it feels right
1: yeah and and um you know you kind of it's it it what you said there was kind of very interesting it's like it's almost the inverse it's like the it's like the the bizarro world of of blackbird and a wren is another type of bird so it's kind of this you know it's kind of this uh you know yin and yang almost kind of idea which is really cool and the songs are written 40 years apart or whatever it was you know like it's 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 very very interesting choice i would not you know if you had said you know, I would never have picked that in a, for you. Like, I would never have thought you would have picked that in a million years. But that's a very f- interesting interesting choice, I guess I would say. Oh, thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, and just the tonality of the guitars and that weird um, solo, the instrument.
0: So he found an instrument from Argentina. Yeah. And found a person that would play it. And it
1: is incredibly uh it sits right in the song perfectly like it's It's not what the song needed it's what the song needed just like when they played a sitar on um norwegian wood it just fit it was just you know george Harrison.
0: can we talk a little bit about that for a second uh I, i love this concept of what a song needs because i think about this especially when in the recording process uh for me i'll record as much as i can and then kind of pull away things and edit things uh to some extent and great producing is like great video or movie editing that you have to pull out things sometimes that just to make the song better it might be a cool thing but doesn't right. add to the song as
1: brilliant as it may be it's it's better without Yes, the, the piece of art is better without.
0: And I think a song like this really benefits from just being a double-tracked acoustic guitar, Paul's voice, and that that instrument.
1: I agree, and I, you know, I'm I'm kind of the same way too. That I'll I'll have a bunch of crap on a recording, and then I'll see like, okay, well, how does you know if I have four different parts that are all playing at the same time overdubs, so I'll be like, okay, well, how does one and two sound together, and I'll leave out three and four. How does one and three sound together? How does two and four sound together? How does one and four sound together? And I'll kind of see what works the best. And when you when it works, you know it. You are like, oh, okay, that's obviously where it yeah. sits. You know, I was doing a song and I had like four flipping overdubs on each side, and I was doing all this crazy stuff. And I am like, why? Because I thought it would sound big and huge, and it would be awesome. And I was like, why am I, this doesn't? Why am I doing this? This is useless. So I took them all out, and I think I got down to two guitars. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, there it is. Why? Let's leave it alone. Why embellish it more? It's perfect.
0: Well, yeah, sometimes it's just, you know, to get a big sound. Most of it's sometimes just attitude, you know, in the, in the, and totally. in, in the, in the intent of something, you know. Totally.
1: Um, would you like to know what song I picked?
0: I would. I, uh, also because I have
1: it up here. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, before you press play, I, uh, and you know this, you can back me up on this. I've been very consistent with this pick. That I think this is one of the most brilliant, um, well-composed, thought-provoking, feeling-provoking, goosebump-inducing, tear-to-your-eye kind of songs that I've ever heard. And I listened to it, and I ain't kidding, I am not exaggerating, I listened to it this afternoon again to sort of prepare for this. And I did get a little misty listening to it. Just the vocal performance, the lyrics especially... Um, the melody, everything about this song uh, I feel is one of the best songs of all time and this is it Yes. Hmm. That's right. The Little Mermaid. Part of your world
0: was my choice. What
1: do you think what do you think of that?
0: Um I I love the song. It's really, really beautiful. I I listened to it a couple times just in anticipation for this because I know you had mentioned it. It's a really well written it's so perfectly written, you know, it's there's nothing It is perfectly written. It's that is correct. (laughs) I think they probably started with more and got it down to this. That That is exactly what they did. Yes, there was, in fact,
1: um, in doing a little bit of research for the song, um, they, uh, they had a bit of a different vibe to it. Um, a little bit more serious, a little bit more sullen. Um, and they kind of thought, well, you know, it didn't quite fit. In what, what this song is trying to say and what it, what it's saying about the character so they actually went on one of their revisions they went and added in all the, the who's it's and what's it's and the thingamabobs and stuff that was their attempt to kind of make it a little bit more you know a little bit more happy I guess to take a little bit of that that sullenness away um, I also read that they wanted to cut this song from the flippin movie which I thought was just an offense they thought ah it's too slow kids aren't going to want to listen to it um, and, uh, they actually put it in one of the test screening, uh, prints of the movie, and people went nuts for it. So they're like, okay, well, there, proofs in the pudding. But they tried to, like, adamantly, they tried to cut that song, um, from the, uh, from the show. But the, 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 the writers of this song, uh, Alan Mencken and, uh, Howard Ashman, who wrote all the classic Disney stuff together, um, You know, they were steadfast and they said, no, you are not cutting this song. Um, And I think, you know, I think there it is. I mean, that's just, you know, they they knew what they had. They knew that they had written a brilliant song and just how much story it packs into a couple of minutes is just an incredible feat of songwriting to me. You know, that's that's the real ticket is being able to jam that much art into into that couple of minutes i mean it's disney man you can't like you can't go wrong
0: no not at all uh sorry for the delay there i'm i'm looking at the sheet music for the song and and it's it's really cool it's it's really it's a very well well put together piece of music i really like the way the melody works in that it. It works so well with the chords behind it. Uh, I'm sort of analyzing this a little bit on the fly, but uh, the song opens with two chords. One is a a B flat major, uh, going to a C over B flat, um, and I love the way that sounds because that's just a feeling that that has totally that keeping that bass note the same So that things are moving up but there's something maybe hanging down
1: well yeah because they're at the bottom of the ocean exactly it's like this sort of this feeling that that ariel has it's like an anchor that's holding her down she wants to i mean the song is about longing to be uh i guess accepted i mean i was reading a bit of uh sort of interpretations of the song and stuff like that and a lot of people have likened it to feminism, a lot of people have likened it to LGBT uh, rights and, and stuff like that. And I think it all fits. That's the brilliant thing about art is that you put your interpretation into it. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a song about someone who wants to fit in. They want to be part of your world and they don't understand what is so bad about this world given what the only thing she knows about it is, are these items that she's found in the ocean.
0: I, lo- I love this chord uh, that's so great
1: is that uh, do you have the lyrics there or is it just just the music is that sure she's got everything yeah exactly part, yeah, yeah. Um, and really, uh, you know, as a sort of, unless you wanted to comment a little bit more, the thing to me that really drives the song home is, the, uh, you know, the vocal performance is, of course, incredible. It's so, so good. Um, again,
0: again, that just goes back to what we were talking about with recording and, and capturing yeah. time, capturing a performance.
1: Apparently, I was reading that they it's not in a more traditional manner where you would, you would sing the song all in a row and you'd p- pick kind of the best take. Of the one song in its entirety they actually took different parts that they liked from different recordings and often they would choose ones that aren't perfectly well performed the notes are a little bit off Um, it was more of a a, a speak sing so to speak and they because they didn't want it to be absolutely 100% flawless they wanted it to be a little bit more human uh, so that it would kind of connect with people I think if it was too flawless it just doesn't doesn't connect um, which I think is just really, really cool. Also, the lyrics are bloody brilliant. I think oh, they're, they're the most- so good. And that's that Disney, that's that Broadway tradition. This is the "I want" song, as they call it. This is the song that tell the characters telling the audience what they want to accomplish in the piece of art that you're about to watch. This is the "I want." This is my goal for the movie or whatever.
0: What I love is this song functions so well outside of the visual.
1: Yes, totally.
0: I think good film music. And good musicals really benefit from that, totally. where that the source of it is just very good. Yeah. Because the see. visuals are obviously amazing in Little Mermaid. Yes. Um,
1: and watching this again, the Vivo video, um, I forgot how brilliant the animation is. Yeah, it's That brilliant. was all hand-drawn back yeah. in the day, man. Ugh, it's so good. But that's another podcast for another time. Indeed. Maybe we'll do a Disney movie podcast. I would love to do that one day.
0: Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah.
1: Um, Let's close the show with some of our own compositions. Sure. That sound good? Sure. What would you like to play for us first there, Adriel? Well, let's flip it around here and let's talk about... Let's Let's flip the script. Let's talk about that thing you sent me. Um, Just super, super briefly. um, These songs have uh, been in my brain and then my computer's hard drive for years it was supposed to be a uh, a project that I was starting with a friend of mine um, and it was supposed to be sort of a visual comic book style movie cartoon art music extravaganza kind of thing. Um, so the songs I would write and then he would do the artwork and it would be kind of like an animated comic book type of deal. and. When, you know, you went to a gig, there'd be a projector and we would it would show you the story of this, you know, of this comic book and then the music would go along with it kind of thing. And I had these grandiose plans of it being, you know, this big thing and the lyrics and it would be like, you know, it'd be essentially like Broadway. It would be like Disney, but heavy metal essentially. But of course, like a lot of wonderful, you know, the, the best laid plans and all that, it never came to be. Uh, but these, I... Honestly, it's some of my favorite stuff I've ever written. I think it's really cool, and I was trying very deliberately to make it a little bit different than what I normally write. I wrote in drop D, which I don't normally write in, um, but I specifically said I want to write a song in drop D, Um, so I wrote a whole album in it, and uh, this just little snippet, and because this is our own music, we can play as much of it as we want. Uh, Adrian, if you'd be so kind. uh, Started about two minutes is where I want to, I think... One of my I guess, proudest moments or whatever, I thought that was kind of the coolest uh, coolest thing.
0: Very, very cool. I really like that. I love the the contrast between those two sections. Yeah. It it does give the feeling of a story being told.
1: Yes, and that was sort of the point. Most of the songs are are definitely more uh, sort of rather than the sort of traditional verse-chorus-verse-chorus type of stuff. um, It's definitely more of that movement kind of feel, Um, you know, uh, and again, kind of like more of an opera or like a Broadway kind of style thing. That's what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to... Obviously, the music was supposed to represent what was going on in the story visually, so it couldn't just be bruh, bruh, raging the whole time. Yeah. Um, so that was just something that I thought I, I just, you know... I, I thought that was really cool um, to kind of go from this sort of 4-4 thrasher to a 6-8 sort of swing and then to this odd time signature kind of deal uh, with the clean part in the middle and all the spacey kind of crap going on. I don't know. I just I always thought that was kind of cool. It's just a shame it never, never got to go anywhere else.
0: What was the story about? It was about
1: an alien. Um, no, it wasn't. Um, it was... Uh, that's my song. That's your song. It, um, well, it's funny. Um, I came up with this idea for a story, and then I found... Like a lot of stories, oh wait, it's already been done 17 times and it was done in like 1932 and you didn't know about it, but it was basically a a sort of a science fiction story about a woman who wakes up with amnesia, um, on a pile of dead bodies and finds out, and and she finds out that she has sort of superpowers and she's trying to find out who she is, where she got the powers from, um, all that kind of stuff. It was going to be sort of a Buffy the Vampire Slayer-esque, um sort of a kind of essentially it was a feminist kind of piece actually um but it was also going to touch on things like um it was going to be like a a a totalitarian or uh, you know corporation that runs the world and you know then you would find out it's not actually earth it's another planet and you know all this kind of stuff so it was it was a big sort of science fictiony action hero oh and there were zombies too because obviously there were zombies
0: Gotta love them zombies. Yeah,
1: It was a big thing, man. And it it got fairly far in the story, but then, you know, like a lot of things, time and money just ran out, and that was the end of that.
0: Well. But it was cool. What about your song? uh, So this is a song that I wrote uh, again, uh, because I'm going to talk about the example I've been talking about all through the podcast. I'm going to play a little bit later, but... This one is also one that I wrote in a guitar store, at least the initial riff. And then uh, I sat down on a day that I had off, and I just banged the tune out. Just recorded the whole thing, came up with a chorus, wrote the lyrics, did the orchestral stuff, recorded the drums, or real drums on this. Uh, And I played everything on this uh, particular recording. Real drums? Uh, Real drums. Where? Uh, In my... basement in Calgary. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. So it's a a home recording, but uh, the song is called Alive, and I'll just play uh, just a little bit just so you get at least the three sections of it. I think that sort of gives the job. Oh wow, idea.
1: that's great, man. I've never heard that before. That
0: is so good. You heard it once, but we were <laughs> way in the tank. <laughs> oh right. Yeah.
1: Did oh okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, that was a good night. That was yeah. a good time. That sounds I mean, if you know if that's not a Pink Floyd inspired, then I don't know what
0: is. Well <laughs> with all due respect. It's funny because uh Right here. A very, very, very Pink Floyd inspired guitar solo. Yeah, right here.
1: man i I was i was more referring to the the very breathy way of singing oh yeah
0: doing all this kind of stuff
1: it's very that yeah 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 very english kind of british kind of kind of style i
0: I, you know i find sometimes when i sing i accidentally add a british inflection it's just and Um, i i can't help it you you think that
1: i don't copy james hetfield every time i sing you're crazy (laughs) obviously we that's 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 just it man i mean we we are we are our influences i mean what are you gonna do right it's just it is what it is um because i find and i hate it about myself but i i find that because i you know i was i grew up in the 90s where shero, shero, the whole yeah you know the whole pearl jammy thing and the whole you know all that that they call the yarl they call it the the can you take me higher you know all yeah. that stuff i find myself singing like that a lot because that's that's when i came of age was sure that. sure but then i also find myself doing stuff that the beatles would do so like it's you're you whether you like it or not you are a product of your influences you know there's just there's no you know you can't escape it
0: yeah so for me with this song uh lyrically great song
1: uh, i'm sorry to interrupt you but i just want to make sure to reiterate that i if you had played me that um and you didn't tell me it was you i would have been like wow that's a great song who wrote that like oh, seriously i'm wow, like that's a you. really excellent song
0: just thank you very much two minutes that i heard um for me the whole idea came from this uh descending chord progression i just want to play a little bit just because i have my guitar with me uh just so you can hear this is i i grabbed a i remember the specific guitar was a triple O seventeen 17 m martin guitar uh, at a at a place that i used to work at And, uh, I just, again, in one of these situations where you just grab the instrument and I just started playing this. That just fell out of this guitar that's what I had come up with and then the 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 second section I I that was I wrote the day I was recording it but that's all I had going into you're of the belief that guitars have songs built into them correct Absolutely that is absolutely true that a, a guitar is a character yes yes I hundred percent I'm so so in that in that park.
1: That the mojo is built into the instrument and it's just waiting for the person to bring I, the it The guitar
0: that I just played it on, man, does that guitar have some mojo? Yeah. I that guitar has songs sitting inside of it.
1: It sounded incredible just in my headphones, just as you were playing it, you know. And that's that's how you know. You know, you don't need to embellish it. It's just a delicious steak. It just needs a little salt and pepper. Doesn't need anything crazy.
0: So I I, I want to talk about one more thing in this yeah, song. Yeah, of course. Um, I was Dude, talking. This about, is our
1: podcast. We'll talk all night, bro. I was
0: talking about uh, a little bit about existentialism, French existentialism. Yep. Um, so when I got to the chorus, I, I, you know, I was, didn't know what to do, and uh, this chord sort of again fell out of out of my guitar, and I thought that chord is very French sounding, and it's it is oh, because it's, it's a D minor six. Which is like a gypsy jazz chord, but it's just this really odd voicing.
1: Well, you can you can hear like an accordion.
0: Yeah, when totally, anything.
1: absolutely. Pick it up right after that. It's yeah, a, it sounds very Parisian.
0: And I should say I am half French, so I think it's it's sort of <laughs> in me somewhere. Uh, some of that stuff. Yeah, but you're dirty Canadian French. That yes. doesn't count. Uh, and there's some jazz chords, and there's some tension in the chorus. I love this section. This chord I always thought was really kind of fun, just like a a really uh, again odd voicing of an E augmented, and then it goes to a major version of the first chord that starts the. That sounds very chorus. Floyd to me. And then it just goes minor, and then that's how the chorus repeats. It's oh. very cool. For me, the song was about finding connective tissue and, um, in writing it that, you know, the title being alive, this idea of being alive and, you know, what that means. And that's what existentialism comes from, especially, you know, post-World War II, people were really debating about what humanity was because we just had two world wars where so many millions and millions of people were killed right that's a stark thing to have to realize that every moment in history led up to that happening so where did we go wrong and people were questioning that and and very intensely and i remember hearing that and that's something that sat with me for a long time and so that song again that chord progression of is sort of like history
1: oh okay
0: and it's this thread that goes through history that's really what that opening because there's a very every note there at every chord in that beginning thing there's a note in common between um, everything okay and then when it switches to the second half of that there's a, a clear separation so it's it's not intentionally done but it, after the fact you can look at it and go oh yeah okay totally that's where it comes from yeah. and that's where the music theory stuff really comes in handy sometimes
1: oh yeah no doubt that's it's really cool, man. I want to hear the rest of that song. Yeah.
0: When we go off air. Indeed. Well,
1: listen to the rest of it. Hopefully we'll be sober this time.
0: So you have a guitar in your hand, too. I do. I have, And I know you've been playing a little bit, of, and I, I I, know sort of a little bit about when you wrote this song. Yes. I, because... I, I may have been there. <laughs> yeah, you may have been there. And it's a really... I'm very... I, I love this chord progression that you came I up do, with.
1: too. Um, and uh, not to, uh, you know... Uh, not to not to inflate your ego larger than it already is, because it is <laughs> filling this room. Um, but you and I um, were talking. Oh, geez, last year or whatever it was, or sometime it was many months ago. A while ago, about this idea of open tunings, um, and I know you were kind of screwing around with it. You were showing me some open tunings. I was like, oh, that's super cool. And you know, we kind of. I remember there was a little while there where we'd come into work and be like, bro. I got. I just did this new open tuning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. G G G G G F G or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and then we'd both really... we'd both tune a guitar that way and be like, "Oh, cool! Check yeah. out this chord." And we yeah. were kind of trading these tunings back and
0: forth. It was an exciting time. It was an
1: exciting time because, and I think um, that was also kind of around the time our friend uh, Nikita um, was sort of in a bit of a writer slump, and I think you had suggested trying a an altered tuning. I think that was kind of floating around at that time as well.
0: I think within our group of friends. Uh, open tuning. This has been a thing,
1: right? Which is so so funny. Like it's what sort of a musicians thing to go yeah. around. Some people do drugs. Some people pass around. You know, whatever. We pass around tunings.
0: Yes. Because um, I remember finding a website that had like four thousand combinations of open tunings right. and sending it to everybody. Going, guys, I Look found the holy grail. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Um, so anyway, so again, I was sort of screwing around
1: with these tunings and. um you know there's any number of variations but this is basically an open C tuning Um, and uh, I don't know enough about theory to sort of say well if I put my finger here I'm gonna get this chord if I put you know this kind of stuff so for me it's just all about just coming from the gut Um, and I kinda just put my fingers in shapes and see kinda what happens and
0: And just to clarify, as the music theory folk here, I do the same thing. I don't know what it is to laugh after I've done it.
1: So basically, I just sort of put my fingers in kind of a power chord type position, but with these open strings ringing out, um, and then I kind of just move that shape around, and this is what it ended up being.
0: I think it's a beautiful song.
1: Yeah, and that's just moving that thing around and and finding out where it goes after that.
0: It's amazing how you know just you know changing the tuning of the strings on on your instrument, uh, what it can lead to in terms of creativity. That it helps you find things within. Totally, By looking out, you you look inside.
1: Yeah, and it it allows you to make shapes and chords and stuff that you could very easily make in a with a, a conventionally tuned instrument but it just gives it a different timbre it gives it a different sort of voicing or just a different like this chord you said you really liked
0: yeah minor some minor nine of some kind
1: yeah which you could do and I think you showed me the shape like oh you'd have to do it this way to make it like right yeah. but in this tuning it's and um in terms of the lyrics of this song um Ice oh so cleverly, um, because I moved here from the prairies, um, and this climate and this sort of ecosystem is very different to me, um, and, uh, so I, for whatever reason, when I think of these chords, I think of like mountains and, and, and sort of, cause it's, it's, it's so ringy and big, it sounds almost like you're singing from kind of a mountaintop or something, and, uh, I kind of likened it to myself, of, uh, you know, moving out to this weird place and and you know seeing all these new surroundings. So I called the song "Open Sea." <laughs> Open Sea, because there's a C sea uh, just over there. It's yeah. and the song's in C. You see, it's a homonym.
0: Well, you know that's a, that's a very good Ian, um, uh, and that's, that's it for the letter. A that's homonym. that's uh, the letter C, and uh, next uh, week we'll be doing uh, the letter D. Uh, this is it from, uh, Kermit the Frog. Uh, back to you.
1: Wow, Kermit, thanks for coming on the show.
0: Oh, no problem, anytime. I, I have other friends, too.
1: Well, go away, I want Adrian back. Hi. Hey, man, Kermit the Frog was just here, you missed him.
0: Yeah, cool guy, I've heard. Yeah, yeah
1: he's alright, I suppose. He's you know,
0: I do a Kermit impression. Do you? Yeah.
1: Oh, I'd like to hear it sometime.
0: Yeah, maybe. One maybe. day. One day. When Kermit th- isn't around. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think we have one more uh, song to uh, talk about and, uh, before we close the show uh, Do We Not Adrian. Do we? Is, oh yeah, I think me. you were playing one. Yeah. Oh yeah, me. <laughs> <laughs> is there this somebody is, else on the podcast that uh, you're not telling me about?
0: This is a one that I wanted to talk about uh, that I mentioned at uh, at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, it's funny because I think these two songs, I, f- I always feel like all my songs sound the same. Um... So I don't have a recording of this song, so I'm just going to play uh, just a little bit of what the the chord progression is. And uh, yeah, here we go. Something like that. Ah, very good. I like it. That's cool. It's,
1: it's, it's, it almost is kind of orchestral in a way.
0: This is where the whole John Williams thing Ah, starts to happen. There's one chord in there uh, that I, to me, sort of comes from a John Williams sort of school. Um, The second time the chord progression goes around, for me, I always feel like a song needs to have some sort of forward momentum. So rather than doing the same resolution of going, uh, uh, I did this. And this is like a very John Williams sort of thing of taking one note, the bottom note, and moving it. And that's uh, very John Williams inspired in terms of that.
1: Cool. Well, see, there you go. Let's see it all... It all wraps around in and of itself, man. Yeah, and I mean, it sounds
0: nothing like anything that you would think of John Williams, but it—it that's where it comes from, right? And I can go through that process after the fact. I'm never, again, I'm never thinking of this stuff when I'm doing it. It is always after the fact when I kind of go through the the Indiana Jones sort of um, uh, adventure of figuring out what did I just do.
1: Wow, good reference. Thank you. Yeah. Um. Anything else that you'd like to uh, to close on with the show? How'd you like it?
0: It was this was fun to do. I'm I did a songwriting class when I was in college, and it was it was interesting. It was a cool way of of um, experiencing what it's like to write under pressure. Right. Uh, not the song under pressure. Right. I, I didn't write that song. Vanilla Ice did. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh no he didn't no he didn't um but what it's like to write under stress and in my composition class it was even worse because it was every single week we had to had to come in with something and it was always with very specific limitations which ends up being a really good thing i love limiting myself going okay i'm only going to use this is my these are the ingredients right or this is the colors i'm going to use and i can only use these colors and i like to limit myself in that way
1: very interesting
0: so i find a sort of especially when i have half of an idea i need to figure out what is what is it in that idea that works so that that is the underlying continuity for the rest of the song Hmm. and work from that that is to keep the sound very similar and so For me, sometimes it's just working in a theoretical sense and going, well, what mode is this in? Or what scale does this sort of conform to? Or does it not conform to that? And how am I connecting these things together? I generally, I I slip it of keys very easily. Hmm. And then there's also, you know, rhythm is so much of songwriting. Good rhythm.
1: Oh, we could do a part two about... Oh, we absolutely could, yeah. And we might. We may do another part two about... Or we might do a part two about you know different parts of a song.
0: Well, that's you why know? I want to kind of almost do a separate podcast just talking about composition and what it takes in terms of the musical side of writing and not just the, okay, I have this idea, but what about chord structure and harmony and that kind of stuff? And how right. do you do that, especially when you're recording? How does that all work? And what are the steps and and that kind of stuff? But talk about more about process in terms yeah. of that.
1: Now... Do you think last question, do you think that like I'm assuming that all in all the bands that you've been in, you were more than likely the driving creative force mm,
0: no uh it no really no
1: i'm kinda I'm kind of surprised to hear that
0: I think I was always in bands that uh I've always been sort of the side person, like the side man. I've always liked that role more hmm interesting i don't like kind of fronting my own music um i sort of like to do it as a background thing but it's something Someone i'm very else
1: in- fronting your music or you you contributing i think to all my music.
0: songwriting uh uh i won't say skill but i will say that knowledge i have in songwriting comes in handy when working with other artists interesting or other people or even just in my approach to covers.
1: Do you think that you and I could write a good song? Or do you think that we'd butt heads every 30 seconds?
0: Well, I mean, geez, uh, it's bad enough that I have to record the podcast with you. so And work with me. Yeah. Absolutely, we could do it. I think, uh, I think we showed an example of it with us just doing that song about going to the grocery store. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really beautiful,
1: it's a well-composed song.
0: Very literal.
1: Very literal. The grocery store was like i was at the grocery tree. store today
0: actually too so me too yeah yeah that's where it all comes from wow oh, mind blown music is a reflection of who we are oh man on that note you can tell we're at the end of the yeah, podcast if you made it end. this far that's what you get power Not quality team, yeah. but you get something you get you get our breathy voices
1: talking in your earbuds yeah. good times well i've been ian james who have you been
0: i've been kermit the frog and adrian Emond. Th- that was you yeah and that that was me why don't you sign off the podcast kermit well uh i just uh again thanks to the letter c uh brought to you by ian james song open Sea," and uh and i just hope that you folks have a, a wonderful evening and uh thank you good night